Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. All right, thank you. All right, so we're going to go ahead and pray, and then we'll dive right into the Word of God. Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus. I thank you for this opportunity to share your word with your people. I pray not of me, but all of you. Grant unto me your son and your slave, supernatural divine utterance, that I may boldly make known the mysteries of the gospel. I thank you that the gospel changes our hearts. The gospel changes our minds. The gospel changes the way that we see life. And I thank you that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. I thank you the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us. I thank you that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. As we talk about love today, I thank you. Love is truly the only way as a Christian to live our life. And we give your name glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to dive right into it. If you have your Bibles, oh, welcome. This is our first live. Um, hopefully, I hope y'all enjoy this live. Um, I actually recorded the sermon yesterday, but, you know, we had some problems, but that's okay. God is still good. God is still glorified. And we're going to dive right into this. So if you have your Bibles, go with me to Matthew chapter five, Matthew chapter five. That's in the New Testament. That's the first book in the New Testament. Matthew chapter five. All right, let's, um, we're going to talk about something that's very important, and that's on the subject of love, love the only way. That's that's the title of it, love the only way. Um, and and basically, this is the Christian's response, respond to, response to hatred, racism, and to each other. Love is truly the only way. Uh, God tells us again and again to love one another. God is love, right? As we think about it, God is love. It's not that he has love, but he is the definition of love. Love is the highest indicator that the person that a person is born again. So if you really have love in your heart, then that's a indicator that you are really born again. If you have hatred in your heart, that's an indicator that you're not born again and that you need to be born again. So um, I'm going to take some time to look at some scriptures that reveal to us about what love is and how we should respond to people, to all people at all times. We are born of love. We are children of love. It's in our DNA to love. So if God is love, then we as his children are loved children. So with that in mind, you have your Bibles, go to Matthew 5. Let's look at verses 43 to 48. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 to 48. And you have heard that it was said, you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you, do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. If you greet only your brothers, 
What more are you doing than, than others? Do not even Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. So the scripture tells us to be perfect even as our heavenly father is perfect. Now, don't get tripped up over the word perfect. The word perfect simply means mature. So here it's telling us to be mature as believers and as Christians. So Jesus tells us that you have heard it said to love your enemy, uh, love your neighbor, but hate your enemies. But Jesus came and gave us a new commandment, which is to love our enemies and pray for those that persecute us and those that despitefully use us. So let's just kind of outline what God, what Jesus tells, tells us in Matthew five. One, he tells us to love our enemies. So my question for you is who are your enemies? Who are your enemies? Um, and I want to submit to you, your enemies are this. Uh, these are your enemies, people who hate you. So if you, if you can think of anybody right now in your life or in your circle that hates you, all right, don't, don't, don't speak it out loud, but somebody who has displayed hatred towards you, who are they? Um, people who dislike you, people who hate you and people who dislike you. Now, not everybody who dislikes you, they're your enemy. Or people who think that you are inferior to them. Jesus boldly tells us to love them. What and 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 how many know that? That's pretty challenging. And 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 then he goes on. And he tells us how do we love our enemies? How do we love our enemies? Um, and I'm going to get into this a little bit further. But he tells us, "But I say unto you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you." King James says, "Pray for those who despitefully despitefully use you." So, how many people have been used? You know, how many users do we have out there? <laughs> All right. So how do you love your enemies? All right. Here are some ways, some practical ways in which we can love our enemies. One, love them by being nice to them. And I did say being nice to them. So how many know that Christians should be nice? <laughs> I'm not saying that you, you got to be, you know, fake, but you got to be nice. That That's part of our character, part of, part of our DNA. And then you love them by blessing them. You love the blessing them. How can you bless your enemies? You can uh, buy them lunch. You can bless them. If you find out they're having a baby or something, you can send them a, a gift. You can also send them some money. Um, you can cash out them some money. You can um, buy their lunch for next week. You can buy them some groceries or whatever the case is. You find out there's something going on in their life. You can actually find ways to bless them. We're talking about love, love the only way. And as Christians, we are to love everybody all the time, no matter what they do to us, no matter what they say about us, no, no matter how, what they feel about us, we're to love one another. We're to love people. One way we can love our enemies is we pray for them. You pray for your enemies. When you pray for your enemies, God it gives God opportunity to invade their world. So one of the ways in which we can love our enemies is to pray for them. When the last time you pray for your enemy? All right, I want you. I want. I want you to think about some people who hate you, and you may not to think. Some of us may not be able to think about like a lot of people. Maybe no one hates you. Maybe you're just this perfect person. But most of us have haters whether it's at the job or whether it's at home or whether it's our neighbor next door, you know, that neighbor that always puts out um, trash on your part, <laughs> part of your part of the street in front of your house, or perhaps it's that 
neighbor that lives upstairs or that neighbor that lives downstairs that's always making noise. Maybe it's the landlord. Maybe it's that boss or that nagging boss, or maybe it's that 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 uncle or that aunt or that grandmother or even that mother or father um, that, that for whatever reason they hate you. All right. And so I know hatred is a pretty big word, but those are your enemies. Not that you hate them, but they hate you. And so one of the ways in which we can love our enemies is to pray for them. Pray for them. We need to pray for our enemies. And I'm going to talk about how, what to pray for in a minute. Um, then you can love them by helping them when they need help. So you know of your enemy who needs some help, you can pray for them and you can help them. Look for ways to bless them. Go out of your way to bless your enemies. The Bible tells us, Jesus boldly says, to love your enemies. That, that's, not a, that's not an option. As Christians, that's a command. So if you know white people are racist, people who, who, who don't like you because of the color of your skin, go out of your way and bless them. I'm not saying you got to bless everybody because maybe there's a whole lot more than we can. We have the resources to bless, but we can find ways to bless other people. All right. And I continue. Um, love them by going out of your way, talking to them and looking for an opportunity to witness to them. So go out of your way with that person that hates you and look for opportunity to confront them and to deal with them and to walk with them and to kind of try to understand where they're coming from. Why is it that you hate black people? Or why is it that you hate white people? Or why is it that you hate Koreans or Hispanics? What, what is it about you? When the last time you sat down with a racist and, and talked to them? I have. I've talked to uh, plenty of racists and just trying to get their mindset, trying to figure out why they have the hatred in their hearts. All right. And then it tells us um, and one way that we can love them is love them with our words. Tell them that you love them. Tell the racist or tell the person that is your enemy that you love them. <laughs> that, that's challenging. Well, Pastor, I don't, know, I don't know about that. I don't know. Well, I'm telling you, as Christians, we're called to love. Love is the only way. It's not a way, but it's the only way. It's the only way to live. It's to, to love your enemies. And one way that we love is by telling people that we love them. And Proverbs 15, verse 1, it says, a soft word or a gentle word will turn away wrath. So when they're speaking hatred words, hate-filled words to you, you respond to them by speaking God-filled words, love filled with love, words filled with love. So I, I challenge you today to make a decision from this moment on that you're going to love. From this moment on, th this is the Christian's duty. This is the Christian's way of life. It's the way of love. Many a times people are looking for ways to live out their Christian faith. Living out your Christian faith is not necessarily living out your dream, living out your, your vision for your life. And I'm not against those things. I got some dreams. I got some vision. I got some uh, a vision board in my mind. And I got an actual physical vision board that we made a couple years ago as a church. Doing those things are great, and we need to do those things, but you could do those things without God. <laughs> you can do those things without God. What I'm saying to you, that you need to develop a way of life of loving people. And, and being a Christian, forgiveness is the way of life. And we'll talk about that when we get to Ephesians chapter 4. So 
Jesus continues in Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, excuse me, verse um, 44. But I say unto you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So this scripture tells us to pray for those that persecute you. King James says, pray for those that despise you or who, who use you, who despitefully use you. So there's people who have used us in the past where to pray for them. Sometimes I think we want to get vengeance on them, right? Well, there's the coworker who never has money. <laughs> Y'all know who I'm talking about. And, and so you feel bad about, about their situation. So you give them lunch or you buy their lunch this time. You buy their lunch next time. It's always something they never pay you back or that person who always needs a ride. They never offer to give you gas money. So you're spending, I know I'm talking to somebody. I'm talking to somebody. You, get, you drive them all around town. They never once offer you the gas money. I'm not telling you to be stupid. I'm telling you that you are to love them. You, you're to change your heart. Now, if you don't have the resources or, you know, you can put in, you can love a person and not do all those things for them. So how do we pray for our enemies? Jesus tells us to pray for those that persecute us. Um, often we pray for the people that we love. We pray for our parents. If our parents are still living, we pray for our grandparents. We pray for our kids. We, if we have kids, we pray for our aunts and uncles and cousins and family, family members and members of our church or local assembly. Those are ways in which we, what, what, what do we do? We pray for them, right? But Jesus tells us to pray for our enemies, to pray for our enemies. You're not to only just pray for people that you love or pray for people that, that you, who may hate you. They may, you know, maybe that one person at church that, that gives you the side eye or that person that gets on your last nerve, you are to pray for them. And, 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 and I want to ask you a question. What do we pray for our enemies? What are some things that we pray for our enemies? I want to submit to you, first, you need to pray for their salvation if they're not saved. Their salvation, you need to pray for their salvation. How do you pray for your enemy's salvation? Let's take a person, um, let's, get, let's, let's, let's get a name, and let's talk about Alex. Let's pray for Alex. Let's say Alex is my enemy, so I'm going to pray for his salvation. So what I'll do is, Lord, I pray that you'll send laborers across Alex's path, May, may Alex come to know you as his Savior and Lord. Remove the blinders from his eyes. God, give him the heart of, of, of a heart of repentance. May, may you invade his world. God, I pray that you'll send, that you would remove those blinders. Give him a heart of flesh for his heart of stone. In Jesus' name, amen. So that's how you pray for salvation for your enemies. You pray for God to send laborers. You pray for their eyes to be open. You pray for God to invade their world. And those are the things that you do in order to pray. Uh, you, you pray You pray for, think about Nineveh, um, Jonah. Jonah actually prayed for, um, actually he did the opposite. God told him to go into Nineveh to preach the gospel and what Jonah did, he's, he got on a boat and went the opposite direction. So here he is running away from proclaiming the good news as a prophet to the, to the world, to Nineveh. And he goes the opposite direction. You don't want to be like Nineveh when it comes to your enemies. It's not just always that we avoid our enemies, but we also need to 
get around them and look for opportunities to witness to them. What what a what a what a, what a wonderful testimony it would be if we took the time to get to know the racists. I'm talking about you know because we're dealing with racism today, as we've done so often for years and years. Get to know them and look for opportunities to minister to them. You know, it's not enough just to say you're wrong, but but to kind of figure out what, what's going on in your mind, what's going on in your heart. So here, I. You know, we should pray for their salvation. We should pray for God to have mercy on, on on that person that hates us. You know, Jesus, here they are crucifying Jesus, and Jesus is praying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them. What a powerful prayer. Stephen even prayed that prayer as he was being crucified, not crucified, but stoned to death. He prayed, Father, forgive them. When the last time you prayed for Father, forgive the racists, forgive the those cops that that did George wrong, forgive, the, um, you know, you can go on and on, but you begin to call out to the Lord and have and praying for God to have mercy on them. Lord, have mercy on President Trump. Have mercy on his administration. Yeah, I'm telling you, you we have to pray for God's mercy. The next thing we should pray is we pray for God's blessings upon them. Pray for God's blessings. We pray that God will bless them. We pray, yes, I'm telling you to pray for your enemies, for God to bless them, for God to save them, for God to um, have mercy on them, and for God to bless them. Call down the blessings of God upon your neighbors and upon your enemies, not only your loved one. Pray for the will of God. Pray for their children. And I said this often, but pray for God to invade their world. And know that God loves them, your enemies. God loves your enemies. And I'm gonna I'm gonna take it one step further. God loves your enemies just as much as he loves you. God loves your enemies just as much as he loves you. I think that we think that because they don't like us that God doesn't like them. <laughs> but the truth be told, God is concerned about the racists and those who are the victims of racism. God is concerned about the master and God is concerned about the slaves. God is concerned about the employers as well as the employees. God is concerned about that uncle that, that molested you. God is concerned about that child that got molested. I'm telling you that we need to see people the way God sees them. Know that God's love for them is the same as his love for you. And God's love for Jesus is, is the same as his love for us. Even when we were sinners and enemies of God, God sent Jesus to die for us. Love the only way. It's the only way to live. You think about our society. You think about hatred. You think about racism. You think about the way of the world. Love is truly the only way. Let's go to 2 Corinthians Chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're talking about love the only way. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. All things has passed away. Behold, all things are new. Or behold, the new has come. And so here this scripture tells us all things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. 
And so if you have a racist heart, when you get born again, you become a brand new creation. So the question may be, is it possible for a racist to get born again? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so when a person gets born again, it doesn't necessarily mean that minds are renewed, though their hearts are. The racist who, who does come to themselves and make Jesus the Lord of their lives doesn't necessarily mean that they're completely renewed in their minds. And so it takes time. Go with me to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. We're talking about love the only way. Love the only way of life for the Christian. You know that we're called to love. No matter what we're facing, we're called to love. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 tells us the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. It says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not be conceited provoking one another or envying one another. Brothers, if anyone, and it goes. So let's go back to verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. I want to submit to you, if you heard me say this before, I said it on Friday when the men's, we were meeting at a conference, that really there is only one fruit of the Spirit. And, and it's the fruit of not the Holy Spirit, but it's the fruit of the recreated Spirit. Um, Paul is contrasting the flesh with the spirit, and he's telling the, these are the works of the flesh, and these are the works are the fruit of the spirit. So if you're born again, you have these fruit, you have the fruit of love in your heart, and that love manifests itself in joy, in peace, in patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So love is the fruit of the Spirit. Notice it's singular, not plural. The fruit of the Spirit is love. The very first, the only fruit of the Spirit is love, but it is like a cluster, and it manifests itself in other areas. So love is the fruit of the recreated Spirit. Love is the fruit of the born-again Spirit. If you're born again, the very first thing that God does, and he, he gives you a new heart, and he gives you his love. He gives you his love. That's what God does. The Bible says in Romans 5, verse 5, it says, The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit comes, and he gives us a heart of love. He changes our hearts of, 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 of stone and gives us a heart of flesh. So the, the highest indication that you are born again is that you have the love of God. Now, it's not the love, <laughs> it's not the love between a husband and a wife, or br between brothers and sisters, or a love for friends, or like Philadelphia, the, the spirit, the, 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 um, the city of love, brotherly love, but it is agape, the highest kind of love. It's unconditional love. 
It's a love that remains the same no matter what happens to it. And that's the love of God. I was talking to a mentor, my mentor, one of my mentors uh, recently, he's 83 years old, been in ministry longer than I've been alive. And he, we were talking about this and he was like, what are you, you know, basically what I'm going to be preaching about today. And I am preaching about, I told him, I'm preaching about love. He said, oh, that's good. That's good. He said, people need to be taught the love of God. We don't hear a lot of messages about how to walk in love and how to love. And we got on the subject of, and you know what I'm about to say, (laughs) of, uh, I love you when people say, I love you, but I love you with the love of the Lord. I, and him and I both were talking about this. I hate that saying. I've always had it since I was a little kid. I hate it when people would say to me, I love you with the love of the Lord. Because what does that mean? Am I not worthy of your love? (laughs) You love me with the love of the Lord. What I mean, that's just an excuse to say, well, God loves you. And I don't. (laughs) If it wasn't for God, I would not be loving you. I I get it. I get it. But to say I love you with the love of the Lord, it just kind of makes makes me feel like a second class. Right. And we were talking about this. I mean, you may disagree with it and there's no way you can put comments up. What I what what I understand. I'm sorry. I'm still learning this technology stuff. So anyway, going back. So the love is the first fruit of a born again spirit. It's the first indication that you're saved. God gives you love in your heart. He puts love in your heart. Now, I'm going to say something. Stop praying for God to give you more love. Stop praying for God to give you more love. You don't need more love. You have all the love that you can ever imagine. Now, start praying that you'll walk in love. Start praying that... It's because the fruit of love is inside of you. Love himself is inside of you. And the Bible says in 1 John chapter 4 that God is love. So if you have God in your heart as the center of your life, then you have all the love that you will ever need. So stop praying for more love. God, give me more love. No, pray, God, help me to walk in love. Show me how to love. Reveal to me how do I allow this love to bubble up on the inside of me and help me to walk in love? Love is the highest mark of a Christian. I'm going to say this. Love is the highest form of worship. Love is the highest form of worship. Often we'll talk about worship and we talk about raising our hands and crying out to God, which is part of worship. But worship is more than just putting on slow music like this. I love you, Lord. I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Lord. That is worship. That is worship. But it's more to it than that. It's more to it than that. The Christian life, the entire Christian life is worship. And love is the highest form of worship. Love, somebody needs to tweet that. Somebody needs to put that on Facebook and and Twitter and Instagram. Love is the highest form of worship. And when a Christian walks in love, they're pleasing God. Because the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, let's go over there. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We'll visit this in a minute again. But at the end, it says, verse 13 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it says, So now faith, hope, and love abide, 
and these three. But the greatest of these is love. So love is the greatest. Love, we, we need, as, as people of faith, we need faith, right? But faith, Galatians tells us that faith works by love. So many times people want to learn the formulas or the principles of faith, and they want to make all the wonderful confessions, which I, you know, if you know me, I believe in confession. But if your faith is not born out of love, then you're, you're, you just have a formula. So faith only works by love. <laughs> um, hope is very important, right? Your faith doesn't have anything to grab hold of if you don't have hope. So hope is very important. The Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for. And the Bible tells us in Romans 8 that we're saved by hope. And Titus, it says that Jesus is the blessed hope. He's the hope that we're waiting for. <laughs> and so the Bible tells us hope is very important. So hope is not something that we should uh, downplay. Neither should we downplay faith. But the greatest of them three, of the three, is love. Love is greater than faith. Love is greater than hope. But you can't operate in faith without love. You, you can't please God without faith. So in order to have faith, you got to have love, right? Love works. I mean, faith works by love. And so love is greater than them all. Love. Uh, I'm, I'm going to make a couple more statements. So remember that love is the highest form of worship. Love is the highest form of worship. The fruit of the recreated spirit is love. And again, the rest of the fruit is a reflection of love. And that's in our hearts. The first fruit of a born-again believer is the fruit of love. If you don't love, you don't have God. That's the bottom line. If you don't have love in your heart, that's the you don't you don't really have God. God, God and the Bible says in John chapter 13, I believe verse 15, it says, and the world will know that we are disciples because of our love to one to another. Not love for one another, but love to one another. God, the world is going to see for one another, but love to one another. God, the world is going to see that we're disciples of Christ because of the love. The mark that God makes on a person when he saves them is the mark of love. Love changes everything. And Jesus said this in Matthew 22. Jesus said, to, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your soul. And then he turns around and he says, then to love your neighbor as you love yourself. So that lets me know something, that before I can even love myself, I got to I gotta love, I got to receive God's love. First John chapter 5, it says, we know and believe that the love that God has for us. So the first thing that we do is we receive the love of God. We receive the love of God, and then we're able to love God back with that same love, and then we're able to love ourselves properly, and then we're able to love our neighbors as ourselves. So self-love, true self-love, cannot even be, cannot even take place without first receiving the love that God has for us and loving God back. See, when we, you and I love God with his love that he loved us, then we can love ourselves properly. 
and we can love our neighbor as ourselves. Without that, we don't have, uh, we're not fulfilling the greatest commandment. We just have religion. So love is the highest form of worship. If you're really born again, you really can't have or keep, I should say, keep unforgiveness in your heart. So you have to guard against unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is a poison. It's a cancer, and it can destroy you. It will hinder your prayer life. It will hinder your, your Christian journey. It will hinder your walk with Christ. Unforgiveness. So as a Christian, you're going to have to deal with unforgiveness. You're going to have to put aside, uh, you need to uh, forgive that father, forgive that mother, forgive that grandparent, forgive that friend, that cousin, that brother, that sister, forgive that president, forgive that racist, forgive them. We as Christians, we're called to forgive, and we're people who forgive. We're, we're, the whole Christianity is, is a forgiving religion, if I can say that, forgiving relationship. The marriage relationship is a forgiving relationship. The parent and, and mother parent, the parent and children relationship is, is, is one of forgiveness. The relationship between grandparents and grandchildren is a forgiving one. You can't go around holding on to unforgiveness. Forgive, right? Forgive. You're giving something. You're forgiving them. You're releasing them. If you don't release unforgiveness, it's going to cause you to be bitter. Your faith won't work. Your, your, your prayers won't work. And so for, so walking in love is should be the highest, the highest duty of the day, the highest task of the day. Now, listen, because I'm preaching this, you're going to have a lot of opportunities this week to walk in love. There's some people who's going to get on your last nerve, and you're going to have to walk in forgiveness. All right, I'm, going, I'm about to end. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Actually, we'll save Ephesians chapter 4 for next week. Go with me to 1 Corinthians 13. Go back to, if, you're, if you haven't left, 1 Corinthians 13. And let's look at verses 4 through 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 to 9. And this is the definition of love. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. And love endures all things. Love never ends. For as, as far as prophecies, they will pass away. As far as tongues, they will cease. As far as knowledge, it will pass away. But love never fails. Love never fails. I'm telling you, love will break down all barriers. Love will break down the race racial barriers. barriers. Love will break down denominational, denomin, uh, I'm not saying that right, but denominations, <laughs> isms. Um, love will break those barriers down. Loves with love. And when I talk about love, I'm not talking about a feeling. I'm not talking about um, weakness or that you just uh, uh, a doormat for people to walk on. Love confronts. Love um, walks with people. Love forgives. 
Love even leaves a person in their needs. Did you hear me? Love the Bible. And I, you, I probably quote this scripture every week. If a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat, right? And so love will actually let a person go hungry. Love will kick out a person out of their house, right? You think about Lucifer. And one time Lucifer was in God's heaven. And, and God is love, so he loved Lucifer. Lucifer and a third of the angels decided to rebel against God, and God kicked Lucifer and those angels out of heaven. God loved Adam and Eve, and he kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden. In 1 Corinthians 5, we see Paul dealing with a man who was sleeping with his stepmother, and the Bible tells us to, that Paul excommunicated this guy from the church. So love will kick a person out. <laughs> so when we talk about even in God's judgment, God's judgment is born out of love. I, I'm, I'm thinking about a song right now. Um, I'm, let me see if I can get it. Let me see it. You know, because I'm live and I can do this, right? <laughs> uh, I am going to give you this, this message. Um, and since we don't have the flashback. So if you're married... Love, if you're married, right? If you if you're really married, and you and you're married to a, a person, here we go. Love should have brought you home last night. So if you're married, love should bring you home every day. <laughs> All right, that's Tony Braxton. <laughs> yes, I just want Tony Braxton on you. Listen, love should have brought you home. If you're married, love should bring you home every single day. Love should bring you home every single day, every single day. <laughs> um, if love doesn't bring you home, love will cause you to go to the divorce court <laughs> and say, see you later. Who you were with last night? You should have been home with me. And so uh, what I'm saying to you, love is not a, a flaky feeling. Love is not something that a, a flaky feeling. Love is not something that, oh, I'm just going to allow anything that, to happen in my life. But love will confront, love will deal with mess, love. I love you so much, you know, you're talking about parents and kids, that I'm going to spank you. I'm going to spank you. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to spare the rod. I'm going to punish you. I'm going to love. That's true love. Because what's not love is to let somebody come in and, 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 and every time they ask for something, you give them something. Every time someone needs something, you always there to fulfill it. I'm telling you, that's not love. Love will see, says, you know what? That needs to be some development in that person. I'm going to allow them to stay in that situation so they can figure it out on themselves. Love does not always have you depend on itself. Love is kind. Love is nice. Love is gentle. Love is patient. Love and because you don't think that you can do take me through all this. I can love you. I can forgive you. But I don't have to trust you. If you you have a, a family member who was molested, and the, uh, you know, let's say your uncle, your aunt molested you, love will say, "I love you, I forgive you, but you're not coming around my kids. I'm not going to be around you." <laughs> that that's love. And so when we talk about love, we're not talking about a weakness. We talk about love that speaks up for injustice. I love humanity, and I love the image that God has made me. He made me into His image, and I'm going to speak up for the voice, for those who don't have a voice for themselves. I'm going to march 
I'm going to write stuff on social media and I'm going to speak against the racism that's in this world. Okay. That said, I want you to be smart when you go marching. You know, right? I, I know there's a lot of people are marching, but there's no social distancing. And from what I'm under, from what I understand from the news is that the um, the virus is it's increasing. Go ahead and march, but make sure you you're giving some space. And I'm not telling you operating out of fear, but you got to use your brain, right? Um, you see these people, you just you know hugging people. No, this is not the time. This is this is Rona, right? You you need to pull back and just say, wait a minute. This is not safe. I can do some other things. So go ahead and march. Go ahead, and, but make sure you keep your distance. All right, I end with this. This so I leave you with some homework, and this is the homework. I want you to take First Corinthians thirteen verses four through nine, four through excuse me, four through eight is meditate what love does and meditate what love isn't, and practice these things. So whatever you see in the scriptures, practice what you see. Act upon it. And if you can get a whole of amplified version of it, the amplified version kind of brings it out. And I version it kind of amplifies that those passages. First Corinthians chapter thirteen verses four through eight. I want you to take some time to meditate on that. Think about how much God loves you, and think about how much God loves humanity and what love is, and begin to act upon it. So I'm going to pray with you. Father God, I thank you for this word. I thank you that you have caused your word to go forth. I pray for your people that you'll move on their hearts and that you'll cause them to understand how to walk in love. Even as you loved us and forgave us, I thank you that we forgive one another. That concludes this week's message. And thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.